Mike, turn your games down. Hi, we're doing a movie episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Albert, Mike Alberton, and who's looking up to the left with me tonight? It is a confirmed skin job, Kenneth Sanity. And from a gamer looks at 40, uh, Bill Tucker, who, honestly, let's be honest, I was too distracted by Ryan Gosling's dreamy eyes to think of anything clever. So that's the best you're going to get from me <laughs> today, sir. All right. Well, let's say that still works. And we are here because it's another Patreon voted up. So we had a tie a couple months ago, and I promised we would do this. So I finally made it happen. <laughs> but we are here to talk about Blade Runner 2049 that came out in 2017 and directed by, even though we just went over this, Dennis Villavue, Villavue, Villa, I can't not, not pronounce that. We tried. We tried, Mike. I know. I, and even I don't even. Yeah, I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> well, yeah, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Yes. Which I've never heard of before. But then again, I don't pay as much attention to directors before. I do now more because of this podcast. Well, if you'll permit me a moment here. Of course. Because Denis Villeneuve has done a lot of amazing movies. I'm actually kind of surprised. This is, I do believe this is probably the first one that's ever been covered on the show. Okay. But um, he did uh, most recently Dune came out uh, 2021. Part two is coming out, I believe, this year. I Yeah, I think you're right. But uh, he also did uh, Arrival. Prisoners. Oh, God, what was that other one? Enemy. Enemy. Yeah, uh, Sicario. Sicario. Uh, he's he's done he's some awesome. great movies. Yeah, he's he, he's fantastic. He's he's one of those kind of he's not quite like upper echelon top tier director level, but he's up there as far as like indie directors go. He's probably on par with. Oh, cripes. What's his, what's his name? Oh, never mind. I completely screwed up. Give me a movie. I'll give you a director. I'm I'm just trying I'm just trying to put it all together. Killing of a sacred deer. Oh, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, he's on that kind of level. Like he's an indie director that's well known and and well respected. Kind of like on that that level of director, I think. Okay, I can definitely see well respected. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know who that director is, but I can definitely see this guy being as somebody who is a very good director. I mean, this movie surprised me with how much I got into it. It made me regret I didn't yeah. see this in theaters. Yeah, me too. I really wish I had seen this in theaters. I, I kind of blew past this. And like I said last time, I hadn't. Blade Runner was one of those movies as a bit of a dark side, dark spot for me. And so the most recent watch through for this show was was really kind of like a brand new one for me, because, again, is one of those, you know, you've seen it. It's been in the zeitgeist and it's been in the culture for forever. And this movie is great. I I think I don't know how y'all feel about it. I thought this was actually surprisingly good. I walked into it. Very skeptical because a it's a sequel to a, a landmark Stone Cold classic, and it's also three hours long. And I was I was walking in like, oh god, three hours long. It's and those three hours, they it it went right along. I did not feel the three hours. We'll talk about it, but I think this is actually really really good stuff. Um, personally, I agree with that. So I watched this twice. I watched it over the course of three days because of time. <laughs> And I was trying to watch it. And then today I had times I just sat down, put the movie on, and I sat there for the two and a half, almost three hours and watched this entire movie and two to three shorts before I watched the movie again, just to kind of get that context. Mm, see, I did and not watch the shorts. They should have been the two that I watched, the two live action ones. I skipped the animated one 
should be in this film. To me, they feel like they really should have been part of this movie. They should not be separate. I mean, yes, I get it because I take one takes place 10 years before one takes place a year before. It would have been a little weird, but I still think they should. They really should have been included. Like one is all about Jared Leto, about be, showing how he can manipulate the replicants that he's creating because it talks about in 2039 where it's illegal to make replicants. And he comes there, he says, look, I can make one kill itself. And he just has it literally just murder itself right in front of them in the show. They listen to everything I say. And it's it's like a six minute short, but it should have been in the film to show him more of a villain than I feel that the film does. And the other one is Sapper or Batista trying to sell something. And then he sees these people, two people he knows are about to be essentially kidnapped and raped. And he murders the the vil- he murders the the bandits, essentially, and then gets a police call on him, which leads to the beginning of this movie. And I, they they both should have been in here. Okay. That's interesting. I, I, I did not... Oh, yeah, I didn't see them. I, for, I forgot they existed, so I will have to go back and watch that after this recording. They sound interesting, but that would have pushed this movie well past the three-hour mark. This thing, I think, plugs in at like 2.49, I want to say. And by <laughs> the way, that's why they're not in there, because over a three-hour... Again, when you're at 2.49, what's another 12 minutes? Let's be honest. Come on now. It's I fine. mean... Done it. When I watched them today, I mean, I know part of they used it as a marketing thing because they were out before the movie came out. Because even when you watch it on YouTube, there's a little thing from the director saying, oh, my upcoming movie. And it's like, you know, it's all part oh, of the marketing propaganda, okay. you know, stuff to get or not really propaganda, but marketing to get it there. But at the same time, it just it added more context. And like, I don't think Jared Leto is seen as enough of a villain where love is more the villain in this movie almost it's because she's the one that you see actually doing things. Uh, I think Jared Leto's pretty fucking villainous in this. He's the one who's talking about, you know, hey, man, slavery's pretty cool. Why do we ever stop doing that? <laughs> okay, fair. fair. <laughs> I see no like, problem with this. Why? Yeah. Kind of shitty. Kind of bad. He's, no, he's not great. Yeah. Loves boss. So he's plenty villainous enough. I'm just going to come right out and say it. This is probably one of the roles that I've actually liked Jared Leto in. You mean not Joker um, or Suicide Squad? Uh, he was fine in that. That's another episode <laughs> yeah, I know. that we'll get to eventually. I will defend it. But here I I will. Okay, this is going to sound bad. But uh, as I like to call him, JFL, Jared fucking Leto, <laughs> is really good at playing a piece of shit. Like, really good. And this might be the PCest, shittiest person he's ever played. Like, it's he's a bastard, man. And evidently, he's a bit of a dick, too. I, again, I don't know the guy, but he's he's one of those. And it's all been well documented when he was doing Joker and Suicide Squad. But he's one of those method actors who never leaves the embodiment of his character. And he does like really weird stuff. I think he showed up to the set with the with with the blind cataracts in and he literally could not see the shambling around the sets as he's going to shoot like just stuff like that that makes mm-hmm. method acting actually kind of abusive and bad and yeah, it's not just, what was intended when brando was doing it but just put the contacts in when you're on set when you're at your spot yeah, yeah like, you should stupid. be able to lock it out first yeah. asshole yeah you should be yeah, able to turn it to on where and you, turn it off to a certain extent yeah get to where you need to go and then do it when you're actually shooting the scene, like you don't need to do it like every time you're not shooting the scene. But yeah, uh, it's kind of hard to argue with the results, though, because like it's he true. was really good in this. He was. He's very good. He's very good. I think all the acting is all the actors are really good in this. Oh, everybody's um, just yeah. top notch. Yeah, they are. Yeah, Everybody's top of their game. And I it's also when it comes to the whole method acting, you know, uh, Daniel Day Lewis does a similar sort of thing. Right. But. Yeah, but he made shoes. Like he, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. He he, <laughs> wa- he wants the name of his character on his on his on his seat on his little you know seat. He doesn't want his name as the name of the character on there. Right. All that sort of thing, which is fine. But again, like you said, the proof is in the performance, and boy oh boy, that man knows how to act. So yeah, and yeah. you know, I there's got to be there's got to be an in between. I'm sure. Like I'm not an actor. I might be able to act at some point if given the opportunity, but I'm not, you know, somebody who's studied like Stanislavski or any of the method acting. Like, I don't I don't know it, but like there's got to be an in-between, man. Hey, For sure. At with, yeah. At least with this movie, he didn't send people used condoms on the set. So, hey, there's that. Uh, do you right. know that, though? <laughs> do you know? No, but it wasn't at least <laughs> talked about like it was for Joker when he did Suicide yeah. Squad. Like, I don't know. I think it'd be funny if you just sent him like used condoms with like circuit boards inside of them. <laughs> That'd be amusing <laughs> for this one. Oh, okay. That'd now that would be. Sure. <laughs> it's just this thing. It's just a thing that kind of gets off on it. Like, oh, you know, this kind of my weird little thing. Don't mind me. I'm just going to send themed condoms to everybody. <laughs> One of my weird complaints with this movie is I don't think Harrison Ford should be on the cover of this of this for this movie. No, it should have been left out, hidden, not talked about. He doesn't show up. And I kept track of this. When he first shows up, I paused the movie is an hour and 45 minutes into this film when Harrison Ford first shows up on screen. Yeah. And the entire time, thanks to this poster, you're sitting there. Hey, where's Harrison Ford? Where's Deckard? I want him. Ugh, why isn't Deckard here it, yet? It really does smack of a studio just trying to sell a movie they didn't think was going to make any money. And this movie really made no money, <laughs> just like Blade Runner before it in theaters. That's total marketing thing. That's a studio just saying, look, we got to sell this dumb thing, which is weird because Blade Runner now is this revered, amazing movie. And for some weird reason, this did not do great in theaters relatively compared to how much it cost to make. Well, production production budget of 150 to 185 million grossed 267 worldwide. Yeah, that's bad. So, yeah. I'm I know this movie didn't do better because, like, when I watched this film, I mean, okay, I didn't see it in theaters either, so I'm part of the problem. But when I watched this movie, like on Amazon, I had to buy it because it wasn't streaming anywhere. I'm like, this was hella good. Like, I wish I would have seen this in a theater uninterrupted, where I was just oh, forced yeah. to sit there and watch it. I I would have loved to see this in the theater, and I'll tell you why I didn't see it in the theater. This was actually the first time that I've seen this movie, watching it today, because I was in the camp of. No, Blade Runner doesn't need a sequel. You you give it a sequel, you're going to cheapen everything about Blade Runner. No, I don't. I don't want it. I think it's dumb. I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to support it. I I know when I'm beat. I I know when I've said wrong things. I know when I thought incorrectly. Do I think there needs to be a sequel to Blade Runner? No. Am I happy that there is one? I am. Okay. Yeah, I think I had, and I think, and after looking at some of the material online about the making of this, Mr. Denis, last name I'm not going to say because I don't want people to make fun of me. (laughs) uh, Mr. Denis thought the same thing. He was very nervous going into this movie. He did not, because he knows how ravenous the fan base is for this film, uh, for Blade Runner. He was extremely nervous going into it about how he was going to approach the subject matter. And he, I think he knocked it out of the park. I think this is a phenomenal sequel to a movie, uh, to the original Blade Runner. I, again, I think. No, it is. It, it really is. And like, oh, also, I'm looking at the trailer right now, the official trailer. Harrison Ford is in the damn trailer, too. And the scene See, that they're that showing is about the two hour mark right around there. 
And if you if you're curious why this movie didn't do as well as you want to think in the in the theaters, it was up against some pretty. It was released on October sixth, twenty seventeen, up against uh, such classics as Dementia Thirteen, Brawl and Cell Block Ninety Nine, The Florida Project, which actually is very good, and My Little Pony the movie. So everybody was seeing that. Nobody was concerned about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Evidently, that's okay. what we were clamoring for. Okay, but Brawl and Cell Block 99 is actually really good. Is it? I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never even heard any of those movies. I've heard um, of it. Florida Project's great. That's a, that's, Florida Project's awesome. And I gotta say, Ryan Gosling does a hell of a job in this film, too. Yeah. Look, there's two movies now that I will go to when it comes to Ryan Gosling. First off, fuck Drive. I don't give a shit about Drive. But between Blade Runner 2049 now and The Nice Guys... Ryan Gosling is a genius. He's great, amazing. I mean, like you know, uh, he has to play for most for the most part. He has to play this character with no emotion because he's a replicant. You find out right away, like you know, he can't. He's not supposed to have emotion for the most part. It's interesting because it, it's his Ryan Gosling is excellent. He's I like him in a lot of stuff. I like him in Blue Valentine. I think he's really good. I agree with you, Ken. Drive stinks. I don't like that movie at much at all. I don't. I know. I, I'm so glad somebody else voiced that. I always figured that's like my hot take of hot takes that drive is not very good. Drive, you know, drive was made for film bros and I don't care. I don't care either. I saw it. I thought it was boring. I didn't like it. I'm not a big fan of that director, Reffin, whatever, whatever. Anyway, not, 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 we don't have to go into that. Yeah, I think Gosling's very good in blue Valentine. My blue Valentine. Is that right? Anyway. Yep. Yeah. He's really good in that. Uh, Mike Austin's an excellent actor and he's, uh, wasn't he also on, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Isn't that, wasn't that his, like his first role? Oh I gosh. It might've else. been. It's either him or Ryan Reynolds that I think it is. I think it's Ryan Gosling's. His first role was on. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> okay. I'm trying to look it up right now, but yes. Yeah. 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 Are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps? Oh, that's cool. That's oh, and goosebumps. That's right. And the Mickey Mouse club. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go. So do you guys got shops? That, obviously that blew up in the 1991. Yeah, but he's excellent in this. He's he, he does a great job of having what I feel like is a simulated emotion. It's the kind of emotion I would expect a replicant to have. That's not, it doesn't seem from a heart or a soul, not to put too heady a thing on it. It seems like a simulated heart and soul. However, towards the end of the movie, when he's actually helping Deckard, you know, reach his, his daughter, you know, we're just going to obviously jump right into spoilers. We'll just uh, jump all over to place. You know, that is an act of humanity. That is an act of altruism for, I guess, I, I hope I'm using that word right. It's an act of just selflessness that, that a replicant shouldn't have. So he's great. I mean, he's just, again, very good. He's a good physical actor. Obviously, you can handle the the action scenes well. Uh, but he really just portrays this really great kind of stoic, stoic nature. It's a hard role to pull off. And uh, he does a great job. And so you're saying stoic like, you know, he's an unfeeling machine. But there are several times in this movie where he just loses his shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. And it's but great he when he does. it yep. quietly. Yep. Like. Well, take the scene where he finds the horse in the furnace. Like he loses everything so quietly. Yep. And it's just, it's all done in the motion of his shoulders, the way his head's tilted down. Like it is, it's power. And then when he has that one explosion, when he, when he thinks he's the, when he think when he realizes his memories are real and thinks they actually are from him, he has that big explosion which is so powerful in that moment, because like you said, he's been really not bottling up, but dealing with this stuff in, in a quiet way. Now he's, it's great. 
nice. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, and I finished watching the trailer. At the end of the trailer, it says Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. I just, yeah, studio. And also studio in the trailer, just panicking. they show, like, the last scene of this movie when the ship crashes and he's rescuing, when he's rescuing Deckard. Like, they showed that part of those scenes in the trailer. Come on. I mean, that's a little bit too much, in my opinion. Like, just, like, you know. <sighs> Trailers are the worst. They really can be. They really can be. When they're done well, they're incredible. But when they're done bad, they are just miserable and ruined things. <laughs> they really do. And because this movie is very, it's funny because some of the critique I heard about it before going in was it's very slow paced. I think it's actually very well paced. I think it's very patient. It's not slow. I think it's a very pa- I think it's a patient movie. I did not feel my three hours at all. Um, I was entranced, honestly. It, it is patient. It lets you figure out what's going on along with the characters, which I really like. Not a lot of movies do that these days, but Villeneuve has such a trust in his audience that he's not spoon feeding you everything, but he's giving you enough time to connect the dots for yourself before moving on, which is and he's awesome. Yeah. And he's really good about letting scenes breathe, like letting letting scenes breathe, letting actors breathe, letting letting things play out in a natural way. One of my was a lot of favorite movie moments this movie. But when uh, Joy, when she when she's finally untethered from the hologram and you know put onto the portable you know Amazon Fire Stick that he walks around with, when she's out in the <laughs> rain, like he really lets it linger. Like he, we we sit and experience her first brush with feeling rain and if you were some people may look at that and be like all right we get it the rain move on already but for some reason in just the way it's filmed and shot and the way it's presented i really just want to spend that moment with that character and experience that with her and he is so good at just letting things develop and breathe it's it's really extraordinary i have a lot of respect for the actress in this uh, anna d armas that plays joy Oh, yeah. She was hella yeah. good in this. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, fantastic. fantastic. And like, you know, I do want to give props for the second movie where Ryan Gosling's in love with an AI construct. Because it was uh, this and what was that other one? Her? Where he's in love well, with like the Siri-esque thing played by uh, Scarlett Johansson. That's actually um, Joaquin Phoenix, isn't it? Is it Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah, it's Joaquin Phoenix and her. Yeah. Because you can definitely draw some parallels between this and her. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's quite a few parallels. That's a movie I'm surprised, Mike Alberton, you haven't seen. It's Scarlett Johansson. As no, I know. It was at some point. <laughs> I'm it, say, was on a, it was on a poll, but didn't win. List. Instead, Under the Skin won. <laughs> Thank God. So yeah. glad we did that one. Oh, I am too, actually. But no, I, I need to see it because I, I need more Scarlett Johansson yeah, in my life. But no, I was just that actress did an amazing job in this movie. And I don't think I've seen her in anything else. I'm looking at her fil- filmography right now and nothing else is jumping out at me that I've seen. But she was- uh, you should watch Knives Out. I, I do need to watch oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lars and the Real Girl. That's the other one that Ryan got. Oh, yes. I don't I'm talking know about now. But no, she was great in this. Like everything with joy and how they have different joys throughout here, like the advertisements that you see and the way they do that was awesome. I also feel like it was a, a reference because J-O-I, all in capitals, can be different things depending on where you go on the internet. So that's kind of how I took it too. I'm like, ah, smart. I knew somebody was going to say it. I well, you know I was going to make that comment. I'm just going <laughs> to leave out what it what is. Yeah, but I was just laughing when I saw it. Like, and I told my wife that. I'm like, she's like, okay. She's like, how do you know this? I'm like, how do you think I know this? <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, it was just kind of funny, but it was just the fact that they did that to me was just hilarious that they went that that they because that's kind of I mean, she's essentially 
a hologram, you know, wife, girlfriend. You know, it's it's meant to be, you know, plus it feels like the population of humans is much less, too. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that real quick. Yeah. Because the first movie, it's very lived in. Like, it feels almost claustrophobic with the amount of people in the original Blade Runner. It is deep within the city. You are constantly surrounded by people. And this movie is so fucking lonely. Like, anytime I, there are people, yeah. they're usually in the background. Like, it is, it's a very solitary movie. And even, like, the thing really with is. Joy, the whole point of her is that people are lonely. So now you have a, you know, virtual girlfriend. And what I what I think that has to also, and I kind of, I noticed that as well, because, again, there is a lot of just solitude. I mean, there's lots of shots of just open expanses of nothing with Ryan Gosling slowly shambling through it. And I think a lot of that, too, has, I think, and again, this is just me reading into it. I think because at this point in the history or the timeline, most people are off world by that. At this point, there's not yeah. a lot of people left on Earth in L.A., even though L.A. looks just crowded and, and full of buildings. I think the idea is that most of those are now just empty. There's no not many people are left on world. So that's right. kind of what I and this all happened after the blackout. Right. Correct. Yeah. Which I think it's yeah. good how they don't. I mean, it is in one of the it is in the animated short that I didn't watch. It talks about the blackout. But like. I felt like I didn't need it to understand this movie. Like you have enough to understand a blackout happened. Everything got erased. We moved on. Like yep. it works enough. as like a boogeyman type thing. or just in like an event that happened that you don't need to have described to you or thrown in your face. I yeah. And that that's really the best way to give us a fresh start for the sequel, because now, Hey, guess what? We don't know who the replicants are now. We have no idea. All that information got lost. <laughs> yes <laughs> nothing but paper records survived unless you ripped them out of the book I, I, I like that big character when he goes to the i guess it's the orphanage work camp and he's just mm, him, I, yeah well yes i guess that's the best way of saying it but <laughs> I mean, that's what it was they really what it was yes and they, those those book pages are gone poor guy's panicking i, I didn't i didn't do this i like that i also that actor did a good job in this oh yeah, yeah. he's in walking dead where i know him from at least Oh, that's why I recognize him from. Yeah, Thank he's you. in The Walking Dead, and then Fear the Walking Dead, he goes on that one. Bother with that show. <laughs> yeah, never, never watched it. Never watched uh, Walking not, Dead. You're not missing anything, I don't think so. I don't think so. Speaking <laughs> of not missing things, we were talking about Ryan Gosling and his uh, body of work. I can Ken Sanity. I, I can't believe you. Did you like him in the uh, Oscar-winning La La Land from 2016? Uh, I I didn't watch La La Land because oh no, that came out in a point of time where I was like, no. Nah, I don't need this fucking white people bullshit. No, <laughs> and I didn't watch it. I really was hoping you have, because I know you'd have strong opinions on it. Um, I'm it's, I'm it's, sure, but <laughs> I won't watch it's until the epitome of It's the epitome of Hollywood wankery because Hollywood loves uh -huh. just celebrating Hollywood. Boy, oh boy. Oh, no. Love us <laughs> oh, no. Babylon is the epitome of Hollywood wankery. I haven't seen it, and I don't think I could. I don't think I could. I don't think. Oh, I recommend it. <laughs> what oh, is Babylon? It good? I got last year, I think. Right? No, but yes. What's one am I thinking of? Wait, what? It, Babylon is like a story of old Hollywood. Okay, I never even heard of it. it came out last. Came out it, last year. Yeah, Margot Robbie's in it. Uh, Brad yeah, yeah. Pitt. Like a bunch of people are in it, and it is an entire ass movie. Okay. But Ryan Gosling wasn't in that, so we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> I also was really happy they brought back uh, Edward James 
Amos from the first movie uh, yes. for that one small scene where he's sitting at. I know the video I was watching because I watched the Easter egg thing before we did this recording. It was talking about, oh, he's like an insane asylum. He's in like a nursing home. I mean, that's really what that that is. No, I mean, that's how I took it. So yeah, I just old guy. Yeah. In a nursing home. I didn't take it as insane asylum. I no, watched it. Doesn't look like, like it. it like I'm like, you must have never been in a nursing home, buddy. Like that's a nursing home. <laughs> I'm and I'm watching like, who is that? I'm like, I know that's somebody. And then when he breaks out the origami i'm like oh yes now i know i'm yes. glad they brought him back like i thought that yeah, was just cool. for, even for such a little part i thought that was really cool yeah i thought that was cool too speaking you of know, bringing people back uh evidently the uh rachel who appears in i think one or two scenes when she, they they rebuild rachel one as a way to entice decker to to uh i guess you know give up you know, to to co- cooperate, I guess, I guess the best way of putting it, uh, that was not really her. That's that's not real. Rachel, that was all superimposed and CGI and deep fake stuff, evidently. So I think unless I'm wrong, I could be wrong. No, it, Young's likeness was digitally superimposed onto Lauren Pita, who was coached on, by Young and how to recreate her performances from the first film. See, I do all this research late at night after seeing it at like 1230. So I sometimes think, like, did I actually read that or dream it? What did I what did I do? So thank you for backing me up on that. Yeah, I yes, I thought that was pretty interesting too. Um, kind of bringing her back as well, virtually, if nothing else. Yeah, I thought maybe she was dead, and that's why they did that. But no, she's alive. So I don't know why they didn't just have an older version of Rachel. What Rachel? I guess because the replicant wouldn't have aged. But yeah, I mean, okay. Right. I don't know. It just was like that was a really odd scene to me because like I knew it was digitally. Obviously, I'm like this is just strange. But it looked better than some of those have in the past. Yes. Yeah. It looked good. And it's quick. Yeah. It's quick. Oh, and the part where when he's like, her eyes are green. You got it wrong. And the and then love the the other replicant that works for Wallace just shoots her in the head. Like, okay, oh, I guess you're you're deact you're you know, you're defective. Boom. Yeah, no need yeah. for you, Pang. Go back and watch Blade Runner. Um in the close ups, Rachel's eyes are green, but everywhere else they're brown. Oh Ooh, I did not know that. So interesting. <laughs> Well, he wasn't interesting. Wrong. Okay. But even then, like, I just thought it was like, oh, we, we, I went and built this and had this created just so you could just to entice you. And since you didn't like my enticement, we'll just murder it. Cause I don't care. Oh, yeah. I, don't. I mean, serve the point at, or serve the purpose at that time. Yeah, it did for sure. I was just glad to see David Desmalchian show up again. He's the guy who played uh, Coco, the medical examiner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, yes. Isn't that the guy that played polka dot man in suicide squad? It is he, but he was also in uh, Denny Villeneuve's Prisoners, as well as um, Dune, also directed by Denny Villeneuve. Um, like he, he does a lot of work. Well, this is the third one I think now that he's done with uh, Mr. Villeneuve, and he was also in The Boogeyman. That's not here or there, but uh, you should watch the movie if you get a chance. It was good. I was also really happy to see Robin Wright in this movie. She's great. I'm yeah, a, I am like oh, Robin Wright quite a bit. Everything always. Yeah, she's awesome. I was super happy to see her in it. She's excellent in this as well as kind of the, uh, I guess, police chief, I guess you could say, for the LAPD, yeah, I, was, I suppose. Um, Bill, she was yeah. in the uh, Bill moment, I thought, when I was watching this movie. The part when she's holding the shot glass and it gets crushed in her hand. That's a Bill moment. Yes. That's that's great. I thought of you right away. I'm like, yep. It, it, it made both times I saw it, I cringed when... When she's holding the shot glass and love grabs it and just breaks it in her hand and just squeezes her hand and you just see her bleeding. I'm like, Aah! I do not like it, but <laughs> it is, 
it's an, it's it was an intense little moment. Like I knew what was coming. Like I'm like she ain't walking out of this alive. No, yeah, we all kind of recognize that for sure. But yeah, yeah. no, she's uh she's great. Yeah, she's just another one of those people that just elevates things. Yeah. Yep. I just know her from she was on House of Cards. That's where I've seen her before, Robin Wright. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed her in this. And she does a good job playing her character. And also another actor that's not really in this movie as much as he should be is Sapper or Batista. Oh. I like Batista as an actor, and I, I forget who I think it was Ken that said this or is that he man, he's a he's a good actor. He is better than The Rock. I'm starting to I'm trying to really think that <laughs> he doesn't just play the yeah. same character every movie. I mean, we talked about it during the Peacemaker episode about how Cena is better than The Rock. Yeah, how Cena is. And Batista, also better than The Rock. I mean, he just, he plays Sapper with such a quiet menace, and (laughs) Sapper's not afraid to throw down and fucking go through a wall. But, like, he just, he looks so sad. Oh, watch that short. You get to see a murder of three people that deserve it. (sighs) In very quick succession. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was very surprised. I was surprised to see him. He is excellent in it. And I, I have said on this show that I, while I am a fan of The Rock, I just find him extremely charming. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because I'm over 40 and now just, I don't know, maybe I'm just turning into an old man that finds dorky things charming. But you're right. He's as far as acting chops, uh, Batista, just in that one scene he's in or the, those scenes he's in, that's better than anything probably The Rock has ever done in his entire career. As, <laughs> as charming as I find that man. I, do. I find him charming too, but it's just as an actor, like he plays the same character in most of his movies where yeah, this he's just does can play yeah. some different parts. Just the rock. It's fine. Glad to yeah. see. I'm glad to see when he shows up and stuff, but no, Batista definitely did a great job in that moment. Great. One thing, great start of the movie too. Boy, in the world buildings, I'm wondering if you guys noticed almost all the humans are bald. A lot of the times in this, like all That's the people really you run point. into, if they're human, they're usually bald. At least all the men are just about. I actually didn't notice that. Interesting. I didn't either. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I'm thinking through it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot are bald. Um, you'll actually, a lot of times you'll see people with hair. turns out there a lot of them are replicants. I mean, there sure are people that have hair that are human, but it's not, I want to say there's more bald people that you run into. Like when you go, when he goes to the, the old, oh man, I can't think of the guy's name that gets his eyes poked out in the first movie. A uh, Tyrell. Yes. And he goes to the old Tyrell corporation now owned by Wallace. And you, you see that, that, receptionist guy that helps him. I thought that guy was replicant at first, but he's just a creepy human, you know, <laughs> but he's bald. When you see the kids in the orphanage, they're all bald. Even the girls have some of the girls have hair. Some girls have short hair. When you see the towns, I mean, like you see the hookers that have hair, but they're all replicants. And then when you see people like the, the shots you do see of people walking around, like when he goes to his shitty apartment, a lot of the men are all bald. Interesting. It helps. I wonder if that has something to do with the uh, radiation oh. from the blackout. That's sense. true because they do mention like the dirty zones and such, and uh, yeah. of course that's where they find Deckard. Yeah, huh. that's a good point. I never well observed, Mister Alberton. Well done. It helps when you watch it twice when you're we're gonna not make you, we're you gonna, anything else. <laughs> we're gonna make a film buff out of you net yet, sir. Next thing you know, you're gonna be watching all these weird things Ken and I enjoy. Just you, you guys wait. Just Im- you wait. Improve. I don't know if I want to use the word improve. You definitely have changed my taste in film since we've been doing this podcast together. Like I have, I now look at movies differently than I would have before. Like this is probably a movie that I wouldn't have enjoyed four years ago, but now that I've been doing this for you know five, almost five years, I can judge the movie differently and appreciate like a movie like this a lot more. Good. So, yeah, so that heartens me. This. Very happy to hear that. I mean, this movie also did nudity again, in, in I think the right way. It's not meant to be sexual. It's not meant to be. It's just there. A couple times you have it, you know, it's kind of meant to like, I don't know how many is the word distract or it is more to like, 
you know, the part when you see the person being born, sort of, like, with a replicant, and then he just murders her, and then the other part when you see one of the advertisements for Joy where she's naked. I mean, it, it doesn't... I don't know, I, I thought, like, it worked out for what it was. It didn't it's, feel like it was... It's not to in- yeah, it's not intended to titillate. It's just a part of the world that it lives in, which is why it feels very natural, and it doesn't distract, right? Yeah, it's not intended to. I mean, obviously, the advertisement <laughs> that that tells Ryan Gosling how lonely he is Obviously, that advertisement is intended to titillate, but not that moment. Like I, I did read some um, critique on the movie. Some some people were saying how it was very uh, almost sexist and anti-woman. I don't think I agree with that. I think I think it's just a reflection of the world that lives in because you know all the females other than Robin Wright are either you know sex workers or replicants who don't you know have any agency, quote unquote, you know, in the traditional sense that norm, uh, a, a human would. I don't agree with that, though. I think that's just a reflection of the world that that it's set in. And I don't I don't know. I don't I don't agree. So, yeah, that's just but that's just something I, I looked I'm up and you. there was some critique on that. It does feel like it's just meant to kind of show you that this world is very desolate. I mean, you have the same like advertisement you had in the first movie. Oh, you know, go off world. And they talk about it, like most people don't live here anymore if they can help it because this place sucks because we've destroyed our world. I mean, essentially what it's kind of going for. Yeah. That's all I And you also have, you know, off-world papers are very important. You have uh, the character of Doc Badger offering off-world papers real easy after he tells Kay that he's a rich man because he has a wooden horse. Because, <laughs> no, you know, there are no more trees. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's very right. Yeah. And in Wallace's yeah. office, it's all wood to show how rich he is. Yeah, what a piece of shit. <laughs> anyway. See, that's where he's the villain. He's a billionaire. That's what they show it. Look, he's bad. He's got wood when no one else has wood. He's, <laughs> he's got natural wood. That guy. I, and I was actually really happy to see uh, that actor from uh, Captain Phillips, which uh, yep. a movie I think is quite good. I like that movie. Never seen I it, but I'm happy to see that movie. I like it. I'm, I like it. I, I there's I like nothing it. wrong with it. Yeah, it's fine. Perfectly good. It was one of those cases where I only knew who the actor was because of that meme. I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah, I really had no idea. I've never seen the movie, but I know of it because of that damn meme that circulates the internet. <laughs> but uh, apparently, he plays Doc Badger in uh, the Black Lotus anime as well. The Blade Runner Black Lotus anime on Netflix. Has anyone seen that? That I didn't watch. No. Well, hey, who knows? You know what? That could be down the line. It'll actually, make me watch an anime. Or no, is that the actual, is that a short or is that the actual? No, it's like a six episode series. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. That's cool. I do like how they make really, me see an anime. So much world building in this movie. And it's just, it's, it's a bummer that this didn't, you know, do better in theaters. I didn't really, I thought it did better. I thought this movie, you know, made money. I didn't, I never thought much about it, but I didn't care, but. It made money. It just didn't make enough money. Right, right. That's the Which is really what it boils down to. And it really bugs me when that happens. Yeah, but, especially when it's good work, you know, and that's it's always a again, it's always a lot of that, of course, has to do when you release things and what you're releasing it against. Like I rattled off earlier, it, it didn't have much competition, like even in theaters at the time. I'm going through the list of movies that were probably in theaters like, yeah, Ninjago Kingsman, the Golden Circle was released a couple weeks before. Yeah, I like that uh, yeah it's a good movie. But that's about it. It didn't have a lot of competition. It's not like holiday, you know, or Oscar season. It was released in October, which is a relatively dry part of the movie release year, right? It's like right after summer blockbusters, right before prestige season. So that's kind of like a bit of a dumping ground for for movies. And so I'm surprised that 
Blade Runner sequel, again, a sequel to a celebrated movie. I wonder if a lot of people thought like you, Ken, where you're like, I don't I don't think this is going to be good. Like, how can you possibly make a sequel to the legendary celebrated work that is Blade Runner? Like, how can you possibly do that? And then you see it, you're like, oh, damn, they did. <laughs> it's great. And that may well be. And this may be another case of exactly what happened with Blade Runner, where, sure. you know, it gets released and it's just later, much later down the road, it finds its audience because yep. Blade Runner also not a hit when it came out. And nope, I don't know. I, I feel like this one is going to grow on people. Uh, not to mention the fact that I think, like, I don't know exactly when it was, but this is one of the first movies that I have a memory of being advertised heavily for 4K Blu-ray. Mm. And mm. this is the perfect movie for 4K Blu-ray. All right. Now I got to tell you my. God. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's just I, beautiful. It's yeah. And I was going to where I was going to segue into that. I Let me just tell a very quick uh, story. I couldn't I had to watch this on my my computer. I have a 1440p monitor, 2K monitor. So it's, it's fine. I really want to see this on the on the big screen, but it was in use. It's what it is. It's fine. My wife was not going to sit through three hours of Blade Runner. That's fine. So like that's fine. I'll watch it. So I, I rent it on YouTube and I rarely rent things on YouTube. But it was more convenient. I go to start the movie four bucks. They charge me. And it will not switch to anything out of 480, 480p. It is stuck on 480p. And I'm like, no, you cannot do this to me. And I'm looking online. I'm searching. Time's ticking away. It's 9 o'clock at night. This is a three-hour movie. I have children that wake up in the morning. I, I'm racing against the clock to see this movie. And I cannot figure out how to get it to – because, you know, on, that, on YouTube, you can pick the resolution. It's auto. Ken, there was no 1080p option. No 4K. And it said 4K when I rented it. 4K. It said it on the thing. It would not give you that option. So I had to watch. I had to rent it again. <laughs> I got it on Amazon Prime. I rented it twice because there was no way I was going to watch this movie in freaking 480p. No, you that oh, was you don't want to watch them. Going to happen. No chance. And uh, the, the Amazon Prime copy was better, but not great. So I really was very annoyed <laughs> last night. I actually had to rent this thing twice. Just for you, Mike Alberton, so I could not see it in 480p. Because just, this is a yeah. on Amazon. No, this because this is a uh, it's a Roger Deakins joint. That man knows how to move a camera. Oh boy, oh, yeah. oh boy, that man knows what he's doing, and uh, it is gorgeous. This movie is beautiful. I mean, and I, it, there's a lot of cliches that come to my mind, like every shot's a painting, like on it. But this movie is just absolutely beautiful. It tells its story through through its uh, cinematography very well. It's just gorgeous in in the way it's presented. So kudos to Roger Deakins. I feel like I'm, <laughs> yay, Roger Deakins, you did a good job. Of course you did, because you're freaking Roger Deakins. There's also a TV show coming out called Blade Runner 2099 that's apparently been greenlit. Yes, I saw which that. I did not know. Yeah. And did not give a shit. So our... What's his name? Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot his name. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's game coming out for this. Like, I'm glad to see more stuff is coming out of this movie, you know, like five, six years later, or seven years later, however many it's been at this point. But, like, you know, now it's starting to kind of get that following. So that that's cool. Because this movie definitely... Oh, and the cinematography, you were right. It is it is great. Like, I, I really appreciate it when I was re-watching, the, when I was re-watching this film. Because I, I, watched, I watched it on TV in different, 
like I would watch like half an hour, an hour here, and I would go back to work when I was on my lunch break. And on my next lunch break, I'd watch another hour or so, which is not the right way to watch the movie, by the way. <laughs> and then I uh-huh. finished it on my computer <laughs> screen, which was not very good. And then that's why today I had to rewatch it. And when I sat there and watched this movie all in one sitting when my wife was running around with her mother, like it was just great to have it where I was, I just had nothing else to do. I just sat there and it just enjoyed this film. And normally I don't have any issue watching a film in parts, but this was a film that like you need to be on a big screen TV and you need to be absorbed into it or if not, you're missing out. Yeah, I'm probably because I still have the the rental is still active because I watched it last night. So I actually after this recording, I might go back to the bit to the to the big screen to the 80 inch and uh, and watch it in the way it's intended. Just like and not watch the whole thing, obviously, just kind of go through some of the, the key scenes, those really beautiful moments that are that come to mind. I mean, gosh, just so many great just visual moments. I love the office of I guess it's love's office and also um, Jared Leto as well. All that water rippling, a constant water rippling effect. That's throughout. just yeah. wow. Just just really awesome. It's just exceptional. But again, I was Roger sucker. Deacons. Yeah, I was a sucker for the scene where when when Love invites to hook her over, Marionette, which I like that name, Marionette, because that's kind of what she is at this point. Good freaking name for that. But when she invites her over and the hologram takes over, I watched the scene twice. But when you watch it the second time, I was paying more attention. You could see where she takes kind of like almost both actors faces almost kind of combine and how they kind of shift in and out of like focus. Like it yeah. was hella good what they did. And that that scene is great. And just the way, like, you know, Joy doesn't know how to react exactly to sync up with her hand. At one point, you see, like, two hands kind of sitting there because Marionette, the hooker, is taking her, taking him and, you know, showing him the ropes. Like, it is just, it is so damn good. I I, I was just flabbergasted with that scene, like, how how it, how good it was. And I rewatched it and paid attention to how they did the faces and how it starts off with Marionette, that actress played Marionette. And as, and as it as it goes you really see Joy's face, but Marionette's hair. Like, it was hella good. Was, I had to say that. <laughs> no, no, couldn't agree more, man. I, I 100% agree. It's it's the, one of the strangest threesomes you'll ever see on screen, but hey, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I, really liked it. I mean, I also... Everybody seemed happy. <laughs> Everyone's was having a good time. In here that also meant that I felt had... A, a lot of meaning to what they were going in this movie. When you have love talking to the potential buyer who's like, oh, you know, I need some replicants to essentially do mining work or something like that. They never say, you know, specifically what, but let's just say mining. And it's like, oh, we want some pleasure models too, don't you? We'll get them, you know, more intelligence. And I don't know. I just thought that was such a, a good scene. Also, like Ken said earlier, to really kind of show more of Wallace being that villain. What a bastard. And man. also, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, just the worst, Jared Leto, just the worst. Uh, loved you and you were oh, I don't say love I, you were really good in Dallas Buyers Club and wasn't he in Requiem for a Dream too yep wasn't that Jared Leto joint okay yep and he was Young real Jared. good in that too like he's good he's when he's good. a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah again the themes of this are really interesting I I love the central conceit I was trying to explain this to my wife today because she she won't she was interested in Blade Runner but she probably won't sit down and watch it it's a three hour movie I'll go past her bedtime. And so I was explaining like, yeah, this is the, the idea of the main conceit is that, that the replicants can procreate. And she looked at me and she's like, huh, that's really interesting. And I love that the central conceit. Again, we're revisiting this theme of what makes a human, a human, what, where is that line? And where I really love is all these different avenues that the movie presents of, you know, you have, of course, you know, Ryan Gosling's in the middle of this. You have, the LAPD who wants to just throw and Robin, right. Who just wants to like sweep it under the rug because it, this is proof of life. Like the, 
I don't know what else you could do to say that sentience, the, the choosing to create life proves sentience and humanity. I don't know. Like that's kind of the nail in that coffin. And then, then we had the other side of it where you had like the freedom fighters people that were there to, I, I don't remember. I don't quite get what that was all about when they, when they, when they save Ryan Gosling and bring him back to that abandoned building with the water around it. Well, I don't remember exactly what was the deal with, with them. Well, I mean, they're, I'm talking about? they're viewing yeah. the fact that, you know, that a replicant can have a child as a, you know, proof of their personhood that they should not, you know, be treated like slaves. They're going to rise up and protect themselves. So like makes perfect sense, but I don't really know if they're going the right way, but you know, what do I know? I'm <laughs> yeah, not, a I, not in that situation. I really can't judge. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting how the different, different avenues it takes with that idea and kind of examining it from a bunch of different areas. And it really had me go. And I thought Ryan Gosling was, was the kid. And when it, Sorry. when the movie finally shows its hand and shows that it's the memory maker who was the child of, I guess, Decker and Rachel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the child of Decker and Rachel. So was so deftly done. It, I, it's a really, it, they held their cards well and they delivered it in the right way. I thought it was very moving and very touching. And they uh, hit very, it. Very, so good to like when you when you rewatch that scene knowing what's happening and the way she talks to to Kay, she shows him you know she watches the memory she starts crying and mm-hmm. at first i thought okay she's crying because she realizes the memory isn't an implant but when i rewatch it i know i'm like no she's crying because it's her damn memory so freaking good and it's a sad it's memory so... that makes you cry which it's just, but it's like, you don't, the first time you watch this movie, you're not going to think that you're going to think, oh, okay. She, you know, Kay is upset. You know, he gets upset. He screams, he storms out, he gets arrested. Like it's all really meant to make you think, okay, he's the, you know, he's a child. And it is until that final scene when you run into the rebel group later on, when she's like, it was a girl, not a boy. And that's when it all kind of starts to click. And well, that was, that was, yeah. Re- and you rewatch, this is the kind of movie that you almost have to watch twice just to kind of. Once you understand what's happening, because it, it hits way better. Kind of like thought, the first Blade Runner. The first Blade Runner, same thing. It's definitely yeah. worth repeated viewings because you, you get more out of it for sure. Like there's also like earlier when you have when the guy's at the nursing home and he visits the cop from the first movie. In this one, he makes a sheep, which is supposed to be your. I mean, I guess the the imagery was supposed to be more of that like, you know, K is a sheep because he's just doing what, you know, he just or he just one of many doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's not he's nothing exceptional, I, I guess, with the idea. Also, that horse that Deckard, that the girl has, that Kay finds, is supposed to be a unicorn, not just a horse. It's supposed to have a horn that was, like, broken off, you can see. I wouldn't have caught that, but the YouTube video told me, so. Which more references of the first movie. Oh, of course. Because that's what Gap leaves behind, is the origami unicorn. I also like that they never say in this movie if Deckard is a replicant or not. They completely ignore that. Like, they have the question where, when he, when... K meets Harrison Ford an hour, 50 minutes into the movie when that, when that's like, route. no, no, this is more close to two hour mark when this, when the scene happens where there's a dog and he's like, is it real? And he's like, ask him. And I felt it was supposed to also be a reference is, is Deckard Kane a replicant or real? Like, who knows? Who cares? Like, I thought that's, I thought that was what that, what that line really was for. And like, that's, that's what I was really concerned about because I know Ripley Scott has said, oh yeah, Deckard's a replicant and Harrison Ford doesn't like that answer (laughs) which is hilarious to me but like this doesn't really it doesn't tell you and i don't think it really matters too much it just yeah it's it doesn't i don't think it matters too much to be honest it's 
it, it's it's an interesting thought conversation, right? I, I I like the idea of him not being a replicant personally. I think it fits with the themes more. I think it fits with the ending of Blade Runner a lot more. But you know, I'm not going to argue with the with the with the director. It's fine. But I'm gonna I'm I, gonna accept my own truth. Damn it! I, I think like they're both right. Yeah. Fine. I I think he is a replicant, but I think he like deep down doesn't want to be. So he doesn't. He's not using that super strength to get out of the car at the end. He's not, you know, doing things that he knows replicants can do because he spent so many years hunting them. Like I think he's trying to ignore that. I don't trying to pretend to be human. You kind of thing. Like yeah, interesting. Trying to be more human than human. Like in this movie, I took it that he's not supposed to be replicant. Whether he was in the original movie, you know, I don't, again, it's never explicitly said. I mean, this movie, it really felt like he was not. But I also can see where you're coming from, Ken. The same idea is that, you know, he's been human. He wants, you know, he thinks he's human, so he doesn't use his powers. He can be either way. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it's, it's great. Like I was, I was really concerned that this was going to be a black and white movie, but nope. Good old, so many shades of gray. I'm happy about it. That was it's really great in that in that regard. How did everyone feel about Harrison Ford just in the role in general? I thought he was good. Yeah, was I fine. was fine. It's good. good. He doesn't really have much to do, but it's also Harrison Ford. You know, he's an old man. There's <laughs> not much. He does have a, a little a couple of jabs in a fight scene. And, you know, it's he, oh. it, he's fine. And but, what yeah. a fight scene. Oh, my God. It's fun. It's oh, fun. That fight scene between. Deckard and Kay in the holographic lounge. Great. Was just, well, oh my God. With glitching Elvis in the background, just creating yes. this completely weird, surreal vibe. Yeah, a lot, a lot of fun, but very tense, like tense and, and, and everything else. It's, again, the lighting is really beautiful and all that flashing light, exposing different parts of the bag. It's just great. Man, we're, we're talking all sorts of sugar about. Blade Runner 2049, but I'm more fine with him being in this yeah. film than I am with him being in Force Awakens or him being in Indiana Jones. I agree with that. I haven't it just I haven't seen the new Indiana Jones movie. I, I, mean, I hear it's I not yet, good, but it's it. just to me, just it felt like this made more sense. I just again irritated he's on the damn cover, but because he should not be, he should not have been anywhere just close in this movie. Pre, before this movie came out, it should have been like, sure, he's an IMDb, and they're like, yeah, he's in parts. You know, maybe there's a flashback. He doesn't voiceover. Who knows? Like, you know, keep it very coy. But the fact that, like, when you see that poster of Blade Runner 2049, that you know, the cover, the DVD, the Blu-ray, like, he's right on that cover, and you, it makes you think he's such a bigger part, and that really pisses me off. But I get it. <laughs> but it, it, it irritates me a lot. Yeah, it's it's irritating, and also the movie is not framed for him to be this to be a, a major part of it because when he was revealed, he's revealed out of shadow. You see the gun first and he comes out of shadow. It's meant to be a big <gasps> moment. Like it's intended to be surprising. And of course, if you've seen the trailer as you walk in or seen the poster, as you walk into the theater, it's not. So yeah, no. And like, it shouldn't be him on the cover. Even like the, and even looking at the posters, like Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, it should be Ryan Gosling, like Anna D Arma. Like she plays such a bigger part in this movie. And so does love than Harrison Ford. Leto, eh, less. But, like, I don't know. Just <laughs> It's just really, like, when I Listen, first saw hey. posters for this movie, I thought it was very much like, you know, Ryan Gosling's going to be hunting Deckard or something of that nature, which is not what this movie is at any, or something of that nature. Like, I thought it'd be somehow they were either, like, he has to go, like, hunt down a replicant, so he has to enlist Deckard Kane to help him out, who's in retirement. He's, you know, that's what I thought it was before I ever saw this movie, just based on the poster and stuff. Yeah. So. 
I mean, it's you would think that Ryan Gosling be enough to sell a movie, but I guess the uh, the studio thought, nope, nope. La La Land won an Oscar for Best Picture, <laughs> bafflingly, but nope, not enough to sell Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So let's uh, throw Harrison Ford on there. And I know. And I, I wonder if that's also too for like fans who looked at it and thought, you know, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Maybe this is like some shameless sequel. You know, they're trotting Harrison Ford out again for this. And just not bothering with it. It's just very surprising that this celebrated movie just didn't do better than it did. Odd, but I think a lot of factors ha- handled it. But I think, like you said, Ken, public opinion is definitely on the side of it now. It's you know well regarded. Yeah, and I think like, over time it's going to be more well regarded. Yeah, I do too. Just like the first Blade Runner. Yeah. Like, like the way this movie starts off, too, I know we've been jumping around a lot, but just the way the opening is when you're introduced to Batista and like him growing grubs, like it's meant to kind of disgust you at the same time. It shows you like there isn't they don't have a lot of food, like they can't really grow a lot. So they're growing bugs. This makes sense. He's a, a he's a protein farmer, I think is yeah. what he said. I farm protein. Yum. Mm, it's protein. <laughs> yeah. So I, don't know, I just like that. And like everything with that, where he puts his gun on the table and he's like. You can come in, you know, we, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, he finishes says, I don't want to kill you. Like, I just want to bring you in. I don't know. I just, I thought it was just really well done. Except for the part where then he gets, you know, shoved through a wall, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, he makes a and comment yeah, at one point with Robin Wright's character where he's like, I never retired any, you know, I never retired a, a human before. And then later on when his ship gets shot down, he retires like four or five humans when you start shooting at, when they start trying to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does he though? I mean, yeah. Ooh, I think they were human. No, but like, does he kill them? I don't think he does. I feel like he shot a guy in the face. He, I know he was going to. Maybe there was one that he killed, but like, you know, a lot of those looked like non-lethal, you know, just to put them down shots. Okay. I'm not going to say all of them were. <laughs> right. Once in the, hey, listen, you're fighting for your life. A, a, a bullet goes awry. Hey, you know, best intentions. Do they ever say what city they were in when he when he's there? Well, it's so he's in. So it's oh, all oh, in, in the, the Los Angeles area. Hey, what? Well, he's he's in. Isn't he in Las Vegas when he gets shot down because he's no, 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 that's, that's still, where uh, Deckard never mind. Is. That's wrong scene. Deckard is in Vegas. Yes. Uh, I'm assuming it was someplace. They don't really say where he is when they get shot down because he's on his way. They're on their way to a spaceport, I believe, to take him off world where. He's just Deckard's going to be tortured forever and ever, you know, usual yeah. song and dance. But they don't really say where I'm I'm assuming somewhere between you know, L.A. and Vegas. I don't know. There's a lot of desert out there. So I'm not sure how much rain they get. But I mean, what happened? I mean, because like they when they when that last scene, when they crash, like they don't go completely underwater at first. It slowly happened. But it just it was very weird to me like what was going on. I was very confused by that scene. That yeah, I don't fair. <laughs> I think it was, you know, I think it was, I saw it as like, it was kind of like, like a viaduct almost, or a, a place that was just going to catch flood runoff, you know? So like the as it was Los Angeles river rain. yeah, with the right. Terminator two truck chase. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Something Correct. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I think that it was sheeting rain for the last, you know, three hours of movie. Cause again, like everything else in Blade Runner world, the sun doesn't shine unless you're out in Batista's farm. It wasn't raining out there by the tree. Everything else, it is constantly coated in rain because that's just how Blade Runner works. That's how I saw it. I saw it as kind of like one of those, like a drain off thing where it was just filling and filling because of the uh, because of the rainfall. But a little unrealistic, but it makes for a pretty tense scene of, of course, me and how much I love water, as we all know. I, 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 I was that thinking about that, too. <laughs> I, I just I just I don't like that at all. Tied, oh, to, a, you, tied to a tied to us since you brought it up. 
Uh, this is off topic, but I'm going to mention anyway. I was watching a reenactment of the when the nuclear power plant in Japan ended up, you know, when the when the tidal wave hits it. I was watching a re, like a, a documentary type reenact, well, not documentary, a reenactment of it. And there's a scene that involved water where normally that doesn't bother me. I had to turn that off, and I will not go back. Like, oh, nope. nope. they have a guy because you know, you know, you can tell it's based on you know, based on true stories of what happened. They have a guy goes in a room, and then things go bad. And I'm assuming this, you know, this either was something based on real life. I'm like, I turned it off, and I was just fucking done. I'm like, nope, never watch. And that's what I thought about this movie now. And ever since then, I'm like, yeah, water bothers me a lot more now. <laughs> like, I don't like it. See, I'm so glad when I get to pass my neuroses or neuroses over to somebody. I love it. Oh. Great. It doesn't. I mean, normally you it's like okay, this is fiction, so it doesn't bother. But to me, that felt like that wasn't fiction. That felt like it was they were taking yeah. something that might have happened to somebody when that when that when that explosion happens. And I'm like, if that happened to somebody, and you put this in the in, in this in this documentary type thing or you know reenactment show, like no, like and that. So this scene bothered me more when you see Harrison Ford almost drowning. I'm like, <laughs> it was intense. Rough. That's why again, I don't think he's a replicant because even though he might have still you know broken free just because of the nature of every living creature has survived. Whether you're a mouse or whether you're a human or whether you're replicant, I, I feel like the same instinct would still be there to survive. I also think at that moment he was fine with dying. Okay, fair. Like, he hadn't decided that he was going to go see his kid. He was still in the, you know, I'm not going to see that kid grumpy Gus mode. Harrison Ford, you mean? Just playing yeah. himself? Yeah, just being himself. And, like, this was also, like, he's facing down, like, going off world, torture, all sorts of unfortunate things. And maybe it's just like, you know what? This is fine. I was going to say, is this a, this is fine moment? Yeah. <laughs> Instead just of a like, room full of fire, it's a, a car life. full of water. Yeah. I've had a life. I yeah. did some things. This, this is, is actually better than where I was going. <laughs> where <laughs> I was going was unending torment. Uh, this is just yeah. going to be unpleasant for a few seconds. So, you know what? Okay with that. That's fair. That's really good. Cause, Cause at that point there's, you know, no hope. He doesn't think he's going to be able to see his his daughter. And uh, when, of course, when Ryan Gosling or when Kay saves him and basically says, no, you did die. This is this is your this is your death. Go and I'm going to take you to see your daughter. It's a real cool moment of, again, a replicant doing something very human that you would not think a replicant could do. Again, talking about the blurred lines between humanity and A.I. It's very interesting. And very well. Didn't catch my first time watching this that he died that he dies on the stairs. Yes, that's what, though. Yeah. That's what the, the, I, tra- the Easter egg thing said that he dies on the stairs. I I was like, well, I mean, I don't know, but that would make sense if he died from his injuries. But yeah, it was kind of it's very left it. in the air. Yeah, and the way yeah, that the this movie's movie not ends, clear. he just kind of oh, I just want to say the way it ends, like the last scene is just Harrison Ford going into the room to see his daughter who doesn't even know that that's her father or anything like, and the movie just cuts right there. And I'm like, that is a perfect ending. Yep. ends perfectly. And I, I kind of just took it. And again, the movie's very unclear whether or not Kay dies at the end. I just took it as that. I don't know. I just took it as that just because I, I chose to, but I could definitely see an argument with someone saying it didn't. I, I don't think the movie is in, it's intentionally unclear what happens to yeah. Kay. Cause it's not really important anymore that the goal of the film has succeeded. You know, Deckard's reunited with his daughter and all the plots are foiled and we're going to see what happens with this new information. Do the replicants rise up? Do they get closer to humanity's respect? Can they break away from the slave trade that they're involved in? There's lots of cool (laughs) stories to come from this. Yeah, man, I want to see more of this. Now, the interesting question that you have to ask yourself is, does that, does the doctor Deckard's daughter 
actually have a poor immune system or is she just being locked in there because of what she is? Ooh, I take it as a second. That's interesting. I, I think just, it was more of just they had her hidden in this way. She stayed away from people. I mean, I was also thinking about like, well, how did she get employed? How did she find out about this work? How did she support herself? I'm like, stop asking questions. Mike. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she, you know, she does say that she's sub she's subcontracted out to, to Wallace. Right. So she, this is, you know, obviously a job she, she does. And clearly she's skilled at making, you know, skilled at making memories because she has them of her own. And yeah, but I, I don't think it's clear that, that she, that anyone realizes who she is. Well, obviously they don't know that she's, you know, born of, you know, she's the, the, the one that was born. So that's a good question. I don't know. That's a, that's a good, good question. It is pretty damn funny though, that uh, Walt's been subcontracting her out for the memories and the entire time he's like, where's this child? Grr. I need the child. Signing the check. Me... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. It's payroll. Anyway, <laughs> child. It was yes, funny. We... Like, there's also the the small scene, like after Kay brings in Batista, he's like, "Oh, here's your boat." Like, oh, there's like, "Oh, go collect your bonus." And then, like, right after that, you see him comes home with that little modifier to let Joy be able to go other places. Like, I felt like that was supposed to be, like, "Oh, he got his money, so he then he's able to, you know, buy this thing." To show there was more of like an economy. That's what my brain thought. That's fair. Yeah, that's Which I still, I mean, at the same time, I'm like, well, that makes sense because Joy is trying, I mean, her purpose is to get him to buy more Wallace products. So she's like, here, go buy this product to enhance our time together. <laughs> well, she does can... say, one of the first things she says is he's like, you know, hey, how was your day? She's like, I got a little bit of cabin fever, kind of hinting yeah. like <laughs> I'm attached to this hologram. Uh, there is this new device out there now, the, the, uh, the 4K Amazon stick that you can carry around <laughs> with you. Hmm. <laughs> And it's a Sony branded movie, so lots of Sony stuff. So it could be like a Walkman or a Walk Walk Joy. I don't know. Terrible. <laughs> I, I like the part with the when when Marionette's first talking to him, which I also thought that was love telling Marionette to go talk to him. I didn't realize it's the Rebel Lady. You find out later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really- I did. I had the exact same thing. I'm like, who's who's this person now? But yeah, but that part where when when he's talking to her and then the Wallace thing dings and he's and she's like, oh, you don't. I see you don't like real women or something like that. I'm like, ah, oh, that's funny. That's very good. Again, we'll observe like- who, what the, the, the one eyed rebel lady, she's not in the first movie. Correct. Correct. Okay. So she's not, so she's just out of nowhere. Rebel rebel without yeah. an eye kind of thing. Okay. She might be yes. in the short that I did the animated short that I didn't watch. Cause there is a, like a 15 minute animated short that was, that talked to the blackout and stuff, which I, I don't know if she's involved in that cause I didn't bother to care to watch it. Doesn't look like it. I'm looking at the IMDb right now. She felt very out of place. Like just how it comes out of nowhere. Like, oh, you have to kill Decker now. And I'm just like, this, why are we adding another subplot of this movie? when we're like two and a half, like two hours and 20 minutes into this film. Yeah. I didn't understand that either. I, I didn't understand why Deckard had to die. I don't understand that. That was a piece that was kind of odd to me. Like, well, wait, why, why does he have to die? I don't quite understand that. Because he was part of the equation. They have the bones they, of Rachel. Right. Deckard was the other partner in the creation. So maybe there's something special about him. Mm. Or he was a witness is how I took it too. Yeah, he like, could you know, eventually talk and tell like, hey, these are the people I worked with. So like there, there are reasons Deckard probably should die if you're trying to make a new life, a new place for yourself safely. He knows too much. Interesting. Okay. So they kind of... So he would need to go so they can really solidify and use this child as the rallying point for them to finally break free of 
slavery they've been under and the persecution and all that, he would yeah. need to – he just gets in the way. He muddles, muddies the waters too much, essentially. Plus, he can also be tortured for more information. They could, True. you know, try to figure out the secret to replic- replicant replication. I hate that I just did that. <laughs> it's but, okay. It's fine. Like, it's a, it's a first-to-market thing. Like, if they yeah, can figure okay. this out and market it as, you know, hey, get these new reproducing slaves, never be without workers again, the chance for them rising up and retaining their place is a lot less after it's been commodified. Gotcha. I see. Okay. Yeah, I guess race to be who's first. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. So, a lot of that changes if Deckard's dead. Now you just have this child, but there's really no way to, like, link it back or... Reverse engineer, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Commodify it. That's why oh, I also okay. think I Deckard is human and not replicant, because the idea that, you know, two replicants can't make a... I don't feel like they would make a baby even in this world. The idea is that one was human enough, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> Matt, here's the thing, though. Rachel was a special one. Yeah. Model after Tyrell's yeah. daughter, so... Oh, yeah. She was one of the kind, too, right? Yeah. Forget about that. F- I also, like, one thing that, that was brought to my attention after the YouTube video, before I watched the movie a second time, is how much this movie focuses on eyes. Like, the first scene is an eye. You have, like, we're talking about the lady missing eyes. She's missing the the, the left, the eye that you would move up to, you know, see the, the, the serial code, like, or barcode, or serial numbers. Like, I like how they did that. Like, there's just so much of a focus on that. And I guess also, like, the fact that the eyes are the windows of the soul type of thing. Exactly. Kind of what going for in this, too. Exactly. Because they're machines. They ain't got no souls, supposedly. But I That's, feel like yeah. that is proven throughout this movie to be a falsehood. Like yeah. Robin Wright says, you know, you've been doing fine without a soul. You've been, <laughs> you've been hanging in there okay. You don't really need one. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, do they or do they not? Yeah. It's, uh, it's very well observed again. Mike Alberton, man, just coming out with it today. You got it. You got this on lock, my friend. Rock just not. I was surprised them. how much I enjoyed you this movie. It, I'm, this is not done. This is not a Mike movie. You know, normally I'm into more different type movie. This was not something that I did not enjoy the first Blade Runner when we, when we covered it in the show. But I was just engulfed into this film, into the cinematography, everything with it. And I was and especially rewatching it and just paying attention to the way they do things. Like even the small, like there's a scene when they're in the child labor camp, when the when the kid drops the bowl, everything stopped because yeah. the idea is that this guy's beating them all the time when that happens. And he looks at the kid. He looks at, you know, Kay. He smiles. Because he doesn't want to put on a bad scene. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and com- you could completely skip miss it. Like, it doesn't need to be there, but it's just very, very brief. Yeah. And then the movie continues. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, little things like that. When you have the three three hookers come up to him when they're trying to, you know, get him to you know, talk to them. When they find out he's a Blade Runner, they're less interested. But Marionette sticks around. And just everything with, like, just, they just so many little things in this movie that I was just impressed with. You know, how many people don't have hair? How many of the male characters you see are all almost bald? You know, the other thing is you actually do see, I wish I didn't catch this, but you do see a car that's not a flying car driving around in the city at one point. Everybody, which I did catch it myself, almost everybody's wearing masks because the air must be, you know, terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you can tell people are human or not human because the humans are wearing masks where a lot of the replicants don't need to because they're replicant. Like in the scene when Harrison Ford is kidnapped, you, he has, you have a guy who bursts through a wall who's obviously replicant, and then you have two guys that come up to... Harrison Ford, he, t- he punches, knocks out, and they both have masks on because they're regular people. I didn't catch it when Marionette puts a tracker in his coat until when I watched it the second time. There's a very small yep. scene when she's leaving where she puts it into his jacket before she leaves the apartment. Yep. You know, did not catch that when I watched it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Because like, I was wondering how the hell they tracked him. You know, little thing. 
Yeah. My, so, Ken, where are we taking Ken, uh, Mike next on his cinematic journey? <laughs> where, oh, what weird God. avenues are we going to – where are we putting him? Because my man is now ready. He's I'm getting ready more to into start movies. just diving into the depths of this stuff. I, I this great. would love to get him into some more art house stuff. Oh, but at the same time, I would love to make him watch more horror movies. Well, I, I think we really have to get into more horror movies. I think, yeah. I think either Midsommar or Hereditary. Her- well, Mids- Midsummer is happening no matter what soon. I just haven't told both of you yet, but it's coming. I'm actually going to start planning get- it after we get this recording done, <laughs> but soon. Because I-, I need to see that movie finally. Ah, the possibilities are endless with you, Mike. I love this journey you're on. No, I'm just going to appreciate yeah. film. I love it. You know, I love and- it. No, that's cool, man. And like, I think because my, like, my wife had no interest in watching this movie because she didn't care about Blade Runner. She's like, I'm not watching this. And I'm like, OK, I don't blame you. And then when I when I finished watching it the first time, I'm like, yeah, you should watch this. Like, this is a good film. It is good. It's you know, very, I mean, very good little things that in the way that I also paid more attention to the way that love reacts to things in the way that like when Kay first meets her and, and he's like, oh, he gave you a name. He must care. And she kind of just looks at him. I don't know. There are a lot of things I, I took it differently this time on my second watching. I think she's a great character too. We haven't talked a whole lot about that actress in this. I don't. Even, I mean, what is her name? But she did a great job. I had it in front of me. So I'm trying to one second. Uh, Sylvia Ho- Hoax. Yes. Yeah. Hoax. Hoax. Okay. Yeah, Sylvia Hoax. She's great. Yeah, she's excellent. Uh, really menacing when she has to be, and uh, and just yeah, very 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 effective in the role. Uh, her death scene is again. Anyone watching anyone drown? Really scary. Don't like that. <laughs> Water is not supposed to be in your lungs. That's not where that's supposed to go. Ugh. No, that's a powerful yeah. scene too. And yeah, <clears throat> especially because we get some confirmed replicant on replicant violence. Yes, like yes, we didn't have that at all. Well, we didn't have that much in Blade Runner, and you don't get a ton of it here. But when you finally get, you know, a hand-to-hand replicant throwdown, oh, oh it's so good. It's fun. Yeah. And especially because like Kay isn't necessarily trying to brutalize her. He's trying to just stop the fight as quickly as possible. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's very, they're very understated fights. I mean, obviously this is not a Marvel movie, so they're not going to be, you know, jumping off of buildings and whatnot. Uh, But it's effective because there, it definitely feels like there's emotion behind it. There's, there's a lot of stakes, you know, you have the ticking time clock or to get ticking time bomb of the water rising. And, you know, obviously Kay wants to save Decker and, and you have all these kind of rising stakes. It's a very, very effective, very straightforward and simple, but effective and uh, felt very realistic as well. Again, it didn't feel overly actiony. It was good. The best scene, though, of course, is when Love and her team come to get Deckard and, and Kay. And they're running. They're running to the old spinner that's been hanging out there since Blade Runner, which is great. (laughs) Harrison Ford runs out the door and around the corner and Kay just Kool-Aid mans through that wall. (laughs) Like that Uh, was my one of my favorite scenes. I had to stop that, rewind it a couple times and Uh, watch it again. (laughs) I think doesn't Decker doesn't Decker give him a look like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you replicants. I get it. I, I've seen this script before. Yeah, that's a very funny, very funny moment. Very cool beat. And there's another another real good thing that maybe Deckard is a replicant. He survives an awful lot of punishment in this movie. He sure does. Yeah. And yeah. for an older guy, man, that's sure fishy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Something's not quite right here. But so, uh, it's possible that Deckard is one of the Nexus Six models that nobody has any information about, or the Nexus Seven. Because the ones. blackout, the blackout blew all mm-hmm. that stuff out, right? So yeah. unless there's a paper record of his serial number, we don't we don't know. And that's, those that's were the ones without a predetermined lifespan. That's right. It was either yeah. the Nexus Six or the Nexus Seven. Oh, there's also a small Easter egg that didn't mean much to me, but it might mean more to you guys. If you're fans of Prometheus, I don't know. When you see the bodies, like the some of the, when he walks by and, and when he goes to visit Wallace, Akai does for the first time, it's supposed to be one of those bodies supposed to look like the creatures from Prometheus, the humanoid things, the giant type guys, wherever the hell they are. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. I haven't seen Prometheus yet. Oh, I've seen it once. It was I, okay. I own it. haven't watched it. As you like to say, Ken, it's a movie. Yeah, it exists in this world. Right. Next year, my plan is yeah. to cover that entire series of Alien Predator movies, so including all of Aliens, all of Predator, Alien versus Predator. Yes. Wow. And Prometheus, both of them. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm like, yeah, I should do that. So that's my plan next year to cover all the like. This year's been all Star Wars stuff. I've done tons of Star Wars movies, so next year I'm going to do those. All right. Cool. So, I love Alien. Alien. Yeah, aliens are great. <laughs> That's why I can't go back to Marvel because I'm like, there's too much other stuff for me to do. I'm like, you know what? We did enough Marvel. I'm, I'm good. We got two Eternals. We can turn off there. <laughs> I'm it's never going to draw you back in, Mike. Alien is going to draw you back so. in. Good. The MCU's going to come a call in one day, Mike. I'm telling you right now. It's going to siren song. <laughs> I think about it every so often. I'm like, oh, I should do more. But I'm like, nah, I can't. It's not ready yet. Some point. Moon night. Time to go between it before I'm ready to go back to it. Or any other scenes that we missed that we should mention? I feel like we've talked about the big scenes. I just want to give a shout out to the architecture, though, in this movie. Jeez, like that brutalist version of L.A. and Las Vegas, like the very concrete block structure of the way everything's built. It's very oppressive, but also functional. Like, I really dig it. I dig it a lot. Yeah, it felt it felt very, this may sound stupid, but very militant almost. Yeah, like, kind of to your point, like it had very functional stark. It was, yeah, it's a really ripping. It does. It's not a world I want to live in at all. I, I do not want to live in Blade Runner 2049. I don't I, I mean, as much as I like cities and things like that, there is something very stark and constantly wet. <laughs> and I don't know. It's it's not the environment I want to live in. It's but it's it makes sense for the for the theming the movie's trying to portray. So. No, and that's fair. Right. I mean, it, it definitely does. Like, I you know, like the whole like, thing with the seawall, which didn't really pay much attention to me at first, but it makes sense. It's like, oh, well, the ocean has risen because of global warming. Another thing, like, you know, that's why I have this giant wall protecting the city from being engulfed in water. So it is a really dreary world, and it's very ho- it has a very hopeless feeling in this movie, which I think again, it's, it's that loneliness that you're that it wants you to feel. I like it. I like it a lot. Give me loneliness. Give me sadness and despair. <laughs> Yay! That's what I did on a Saturday a Saturday night. Watch sad and depressing. My, my, it's my thing. I can dig oh, it. Dig Normally it I don't like it in film, but I liked it in this film. I just saw that they did it right. So glad you like this one, Mike. I really am. This is good. Right. I didn't go into this expecting to like this film. I went into it going, okay, let's see how this goes. I had no interest in it really that much. And I'm like, I left completely satisfied. I mean, that's also why I bought it instead of renting it. Because I knew I'm like, this is going to take me days to watch it. I'm not going to rent this. I'm going to have to rent it. I'd be like, I would have had to pay twice or more. So I just bought it. <laughs> that's why I bought it. Well, gosh, we're really glad you enjoyed this episode of uh, Bill and Ken Know What's Good for You, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> 
pretty <laughs> Bill much. Bill and Ken are <laughs> expanding uh, minds with Bill right, let's Ken. Go to, and... Let's go to Shelf Stacker Box. I don't think we have too much else to say. No, yeah. probably not. All right, you know, I'll go first. I'm going to put this on the shelf. I really enjoy, as I've said already many times, I really enjoyed this film. I think this is a, a great film that needs to be seen. And even if you didn't care for the first Blade Runner, you can enjoy this film as a film. I mean, yes, we ruined it for you in, in parts, if, but chances are, if you've already seen the film, you are listening to this episode. If you haven't, you're probably not listening. So, <laughs> But if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Even if you know what's happening, still, we can't describe the cinematography and all that. just the way it grabs you. So going on the shelf. What about you, Ken? I was going back and forth between shelf and stack all day. Honestly, like, is the movie amazing? Yes, it is. Is it beautiful? Absolutely. Am I going to throw it on again anytime soon? I don't know. And for that reason, I think I got to go stack. Okay. Like, I love this movie. It's absolutely beautiful. I'll recommend it to everybody, but I don't see it being on my shelf. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. And Bill, uh, for me, I'm going to shelf this and kind of in line with what Ken is saying. I think I will throw this on, especially if I get a new TV to throw into the awesome floor 4K Blu-ray and kind of show off the awesome things my new TV can do. This would be perfect for that. This would be exceptional for that. Uh, so if only for that, that would be worth the purchase. But I still think as far as just aesthetically and like everything we've been, we've been gushing about enough for an hour and a half. Uh, this is a great movie. This is excellent. It's as good of a blade runner sequel as I can imagine. I don't think you could have done a better job. I mean, uh, aside from nitpicks, but all in all, this is a phenomenal movie and it just proves how good of a director, uh, Mr. Denis is. Yeah. I'm not, doing, I'm not trying his last name. You guys can just, have fun with that. I how how good of a director he is, and and Mike, if you like this, you're gonna. I think you'll really like the bulk of his work because he is an extraordinary director. Arrival is fantastic. I don't know, Ken, if you agree with that, but I I loved Arrival. Haven't watched it. Yeah. One of those ones that I own. Just yeah. it's good. It's a good one. I really like it. But, I've heard uh, good yeah, things so about you, it. Yeah, I think it's great. Really appreciate it. It's really good. So yeah, uh, this is on a shelf for me. I'm gonna stick it up there. I might even buy that 4K Blu-ray. The first piece of physical media I've bought in years, but I just might. <laughs> I want to see some theaters now. If they, if the Blade Runner comes back to theaters, well, I probably wouldn't go because I couldn't convince my wife to go see either of these movies in theaters. So I don't want to go by myself. But this is something that I would definitely do want to see in theaters. So probably won't happen, but it's something I'm going to think about. So, all right. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can find our first Blade Runner on Podbean to hear what we said about the first Blade Runner, which we went differently because I didn't want to. We didn't add this movie. Just this movie would have been harder to do scene by scene like we normally do, just because. Well, one is two and a half hours long. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think we. Yeah, I think we had save people. <laughs> That's a wise idea. And Bill, where can people find you at? Oh yeah, I uh, I do a podcast entitled "The Gamer Looks at 40. It's a, a nostalgic look through the history of video games as told through the eyes and the stories of the everyday people who lived it. Just a collection of stories. This uh, this I'm not sure when this is coming out, Mike. When is this coming out? That is a good question, sir. Let me pull out my handy okay. Handy well, notebook. well, by the time you you listen to this, there'll be about eighty or so episodes of a gamer looks at forty core episodes that range from video games uh, series to systems to consoles to eras and everything in between. Uh, by the time this comes out, I have an episode about Mario Paint that's releasing uh, tomorrow, which is really fun. Followed by an episode about the the days of renting video games. Old people talking about the days of running video games. And then a lot of episodes about Earthbound. Probably three based on the over six hours of audio I've compiled about. Damn. 
people love Earthbound. And then you have my opinion That's in there, too. The yeah, I do. People <laughs> love Earthbound love. and have a lot to say about it and a lot of personal stories. It affected a lot of people's lives in various ways. And uh, yeah, I have about six hours of audio to go through over the next couple of weeks. So uh, if you're praying, people, pray for me. Good vibes <laughs> or whatever, whatever your whatever your thing is. Uh, but yeah, Gamer Looks at 40. Uh, if you're not following the show, I recommend it. I think it's a humdinger. So uh, yeah, thanks as always for giving me the opportunity to uh, talk some sugar about my own show. There's a link in the show notes of every of almost every episode I've done in well, every episode I've done in the I, last year or two. So you can find I it do there. Appreciate it. And this comes out eight. This will come out uh, August third. So that's okay. it. Next month, the time yeah, recorded. Perfect. All right. And if you want to support the show, we do have a Patreon. You'll see a link in the show notes. We do Patreon polls every month. At the time you're hearing this, there'll be some spooktober poll. I have no idea what because I haven't decided yet. But definitely go <laughs> check that out. We have Discord. You can join it and, and talk with us. So please go do that too. And want to give a shout out to my awesome intro outro courtesy of Helena at Hell Has Free. You can follow her on TikTok. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. I think that's everything I need to say, so we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. So long. Bye.